Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. I've been on a series called Unstoppable Force. And, and uh, I don't know, maybe what happened today was a, it was a, a, a byproduct of us culminating in prayer and fasting. I, I laid in my, in my bed yesterday uh, towards the evening, and my body was shaking. I mean, my spirit was shaking. I'm like, Lord, I've studied all day. There's some things that I've done all day that's really tiring. I'm like, I want to rest, you know. And, and usually I'm a good rester. Like, I'm like, bump that. I'm going to rest right now. I'm going to chill hard right now. Uh, and I was restless because I was praying in tongues the whole time. Praying in the spirit the whole time. I'm like, what is happening? So I'm like, inside I was like, and um, I feel maybe part of that was what's going to, what will happen this morning. But I also feel that it was something that the Lord was trying to share, that faith comes by hearing of the word. And my, my prayer is that by hearing the word, we will have a heightened, a more heightened sense of the necessity and the power of prayer that God has given all of us. So I've been week three. How many of you enjoying this series, right? I've been in week three. The first week we talked about Genesis, how God, the, the, the prayer, prayer, authority and prayer goes back to Genesis chapter 1, uh, 26, when he said, let them have dominion. Last week we also talked about what Jesus meant by binding and loosing. Today I'm going to talk to you about the book of James on why he says certain words in the book of James and breaking that down into a revelatory, practical way of what God is trying to tell us by effective prayer. How many know that we could pray and not pray effectively? How many know that we could pray and actually pray effectively according to Scripture? All right, amen? All right, so are you ready? Father, we thank you for this time, for your word. I thank you for the movement of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the gifts of the Spirit that we declare boldly. We are not ashamed of you, Holy Spirit. Precious Holy Spirit, I pray that you would baptize us with hunger, with your word. I pray that you would breathe upon your word today. And I pray, Lord God, that you would cause it to be rhema to our spirit. That my prayer and your prayer is that, Lord God, that every one of us will be awakened to a new heightened sense of the absolute authority and power you've given us with the instrument of prayer. Because your word says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, all right, I'll try to get out of here by 1210, hopefully. Uh, If not, have grace on me. But you came to hear the word of God. Come on. Amen. You didn't come here to get some popcorn. Hopefully not. James chapter 5, verse 13. Now, I want you to see this. James chapter 5, verse 13. Pick out your Bibles here. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version, unless otherwise said. Boy, I feel the Holy Spirit still, man. Verse 13. I want you to see. This is a popular scripture, but I want to break this down for you, and I want you to take notes today. At the, at the end of my message, please don't leave because we do want to raise another offering for Jonathan and his family. And we're believing, listen, we're believing God that God will meet all their needs through the second offering. Can I hear an amen? Is anyone among you suffering? Let him, come on, shout, pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Oh, I love this. Are you, gonna, you need to catch this next phrase, okay? And the prayer of faith, say prayer of faith, will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up in that day. And if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. Confess. Now, I want to pause and say this. When we read this for years, we, we have fragments every time we read it. This is all one thought. 
Okay? In the original manuscript, this is all one thought, all one, all one message. It's not uh, divided in our level of thinking because there's another verse. All right? It's all one thought, so it all relates together. It's important for you to know that. All right? Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The, watch this now. The effective, fervent prayer. Notice that the Holy Spirit added these words here on purpose. It just didn't say Prayer is effective. We know prayer is effective, but he goes a little deeper, and there's a, it's important that we see every detail. Just like in dreams, that we need to pay attention to every detail. We need to pay attention to every detail in Scripture. Now watch what James says. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, that kind of prayer avails much. Come on. I'm going to break that down. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That word avail means benefits much or profits much, much. Now look, look at this. It's all connected. He doesn't bump his head here. This is all connected. He is giving an illustration of, of how to release effective prayer on the earth, and then he, tr he transitions by proving his point by demystifying people in the Bible. Because sometimes we say, oh, that, that was him, so I, it's not for me. Look what it says next. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. You know what that's the 2018 version of? He was cranky just like you. He had bad breath like you. He had messed up bad dare haze just like you. He had, a, he, was, he, was, he had a nature like ours, and he prayed, everybody underline that word, earnestly. There's another specific word that he throws in there. He prays earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land, watch this, for three years and six months, all because somebody that had a nature just like us, cranky just like us, discouraged just like us, fearful sometimes just like us, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. Now watch this, and then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Can I hear an amen? I hope I'm wetting your hunger here because I want to just share quickly that the Lord is causing us to want to dive deeper into characteristics of effective prayer. I want to give you four main characteristics out of the book of James, but one that is not in my notes because yesterday when I was in my bed, the Holy Spirit interrupted me and I told Zach, look, it's not on the slides, but at the end you'll know. I'm going to give you characteristics of effective, everybody say effective prayer. Why is that important? Because it's possible to be frustrated in prayer because we're not praying effectively. It's possible to not get certain things answered in our prayers because we may not align our, our, our prayers effectively in certain dynamics and characteristics of what is effective prayer. Now, I want to do, uh, if you guys know me, I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures. I'm going to give you some Greek and some Hebrew today. We're going to have a good old-fashioned Bible study. Amen? So take notes. So the word effectual fervent. Now, I want you to hear this. And I'm going to break it down a little bit later in my message because some people think that uh, in order to be fervent, you have to be loud. And that's not what God is saying at all. And so there's hope for quiet people. You can still be fervent. Come on. Amen? That may be a joke, but you know what? Some people relegate, well, I may, I may not be fervent because I'm not loud. Well, I'm going to explain what that is. In the original manuscript, Harvest, you're going to like this because you're a word man. In the, in the original manuscript, that's one word. It's, 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 I, it's effect, effectual fervent is one word. Actually, the word fervent is not in the original manuscript, Greek. It's the effectual. 
But they tried to put in a word that would have to do with a sustainable type of reality for prayer. So the writer in Greek put effectual fervent. And that word effectual fervent is one word in the Greek. And that Greek word is energeo, where we get the word energetic or energy. Not like new age flaky stuff. But energy, uh, lightning, uh, power. Can I hear an amen? Now watch. And what that means, the, the, that word effective or effectual in some of your verses, means to do or to operate effectively or efficiently. To do or operate effectively and efficiently. I don't, efficiently. I don't know about you, but if you are on the table for surgery, you want that doctor to cut at the right place at the right time or else he could damage a whole bunch of organs. He has to do it efficiently and effectively. He just doesn't go blindly and say, let me cut. I'm a surgeon and one of these days I'm going to go hit it. That's the problem with a lot of people in prayer. They just kind of throw things out there and they're, 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 one of these days I'm going to hit the target. No, God has given you a way to hit the target. And so I'm going to tell you today that the word effective means efficient. It means the way to do things. So in other words, effectual prayer can mean praying the most effective, efficient way with passion that gets the best results. Come on, say amen. So today I'm going to give you, now the slide is going to be four. Yesterday and this morning, the Lord reminded me strongly of a fifth one. And again, there's more than five. But I'm going to tell you, today I'm going to walk you through characteristics of effective prayer life. Okay? So James highlighted, it's up in your screen, four characteristics, James, of effective prayer. And again, it's important that you know all the things that he said from verse 13 onward are all connected. It's not just the prayer uh, to heal the sick. It's also uh, all the other things. So number one, the first characteristic of effective prayer, are you going to get excited for this, is not just prayer. It's the prayer of faith. Come on, say amen. The Bible says the prayer of faith will save the sick or heal the sick. Now, in, in the prayer of faith, what that is symbolically, prophetically, scripturally talking about in that verse, there's like a threefold uh, confidence rooted in the uh, prayer of faith. Why? Because when we pray, we must pray in faith. Now, what does that mean to you and I? Prayer of faith, A, means that we are absolutely positively sure when we pray that Jesus has conquered all sin and death and bondage. Because if we don't have believed that when we pray, we will have half-hearted prayers or doubtful prayers that will not accomplish anything. You say, Pastor George, that's a little rough. No, if you keep reading in the book of James, James was more gangster than me by a lot. You know what James says when he, in that same chapter, all one thought, he starts talking about person who doubts. And he's like, listen, when he asks, when they ask for wisdom, that's prayer, the prayer of faith, he says, it's been a couple of verses down the road, he says, hey, when you ask in, for wisdom, ask by faith, not doubting. Then he says, because he is a double-minded way, uh, a man unstable in all his ways. And then he says an ouch moment, he says, do not think that that man will receive anything from the Lord. You look it up. I'm not, you're looking at me like, no. That is what James said. He says, don't expect to receive anything from the Lord if you're doubting. So guess what? The prayer of faith is wrapped out around in three dynamics. Number one, the prayer of faith is A, when you pray, that you are absolutely convinced that God has authority over all sin, bondage, and sickness. We need to stop right there if we don't believe that. If you subliminally don't believe that God has all authority to, to break every bondage, then your prayer is already mingled with doubt. 
The prayer of faith. The second aspect of the prayer of faith is absolute confidence. Watch this now. Absolute confidence in the blood of Jesus that wipes us clean, that allows weak people like us, even weak people like us, to continue to pray and still release heaven on earth as weak people. So the prayer of faith is secondly wrapped around in faith, not just in his power, but faith in his justification for us. Come on, church. That means that you've been redeemed, that when you pray, listen, you have, by the blood of Jesus, right to enter the Holy of Holies. The Bible says in Hebrews 10 that we enter the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, through the blood of the Lamb. You know how many, how many old school guys, there, there was a song years, years ago, take me in to the Holy of Holies. It says, take me in by the, by the blood of the Lamb. That's not just a song. They got that from Hebrews. Take me to the, listen, listen, come boldly to the throne of grace. That speaks of faith, the prayer of faith, knowing that when you approach God in prayer, come on, I'm preaching good this morning. When, when you approach God in prayer, you're not going to be like, does he hear, I, I sinned yesterday. You're going to say, I've come in, I have access, I believe by faith, the prayer of faith, that even though I messed up and I'm a weak human being, I have access to the throne every single day. So prayer of faith is not, Lord, if you hear me. See, then that's not prayer of faith because that means you don't know the word. Or I feel unqualified. Then you don't know the word. Prayer of faith is, yes, I am unqualified, but I'm made qualified by the blood. I'm, I, listen, I've been drawn near by the blood. The third aspect of the prayer of faith is confidence in seeing the invisible. Did you hear what I said? It's is praying in faith, the prayer of faith is a confidence that Jesus has destroyed all darkness. Hello? Number two, faith in the blood of Jesus that he could still use weak people to pray and move things. And number three, confidence, prayer of faith is confidence in seeing the invisible. Well, listen, listen, this is important that you know that you see this. Now, why do, why do I say invisible? Because, God, because James highlights Elijah there. Now, now, if you study Elijah, I'm going to show you the scripture. There's a reason why he highlights Elijah. The prayer of faith sees the things, listen to me, in the spirit realm. The prayer of faith sees the invisible in the spirit realm so it can be manifested in reality in the physical realm. The prayer of faith sees the invisible in the, in the spirit realm and cause it forth to be a reality in the physical realm. Our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth like I'm seeing it happening, happening in heaven. What I see happen in heaven, see, you're going to be happy now. How do you know, if, how do you know if, if sickness is from the Lord? And how do you know when you're praying if this is from the Lord? Ask yourself, if it happens in heaven, it can happen here. If it doesn't happen in heaven, it's not going to happen here. Is there depression in heaven? No, there should not be depression in your life. Is there suicide in heaven? No. No, then that means there's no suicide. The, the will of God is not for you to go crazy. For, the will of God is for you to invoke heaven on earth, but you have to see the invisible. Now, why do I say seeing the invisible? Because Elijah, Elijah was mentioned in the book of James. And what did Elijah do? I'm going to have you turn in a second. Elijah told Ahab to go out and see a cloud of rain. He said, go out and tell them it's about to rain. And guess what? There was not a cloud in the sky. Imagine if I told you on a sunny day, guys, put your jackets on. It's about to snow in two hours. You're like, 
Because you see the invisible and what other people don't see it. Now, look at 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm going to prove it to you. 1 Kings chapter 18, all right? 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. Are you getting something this morning? So, verse 41, again, I'm going to uh, try to go to 1215 to honor people, but I do want to release this to you. 1 Kings 18, verse 41, look at it, it says, Then Elijah says to Ahab, and by the way, yes, that is that wicked Ahab, the, the, the king, the husband of Jezebel. Go up and eat and drink, for there, listen, is the sound of abundance of rain. Now, little, little backstory here. Does anybody know what was happening during that time? What was happening during that time, there was a severe drought because of judgment on the land that it had not rained. Okay? And, and Elijah it was the one who, the Lord told Elijah to, to invoke that prayer. Do you see that God moves with the sound of your voice? God does that through our prayers. So now there, there's a famine that's been going on for three and a half years. Imagine, imagine no rain in Florida for three and a half years. No rain at all, not one drop. What would happen to the crops? What would happen to the farms? What, what would happen to businesses, right? What would happen to our water system? So Ahab went up and he, uh, to, to eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of the, uh, uh, Mount Carmel. He bowed down on the ground. He was praying, invoking the Lord, and put his face between his knees. Look at this. Look at this. And said to his servant, go up now. Look toward the sea. Now what is he seeing, guys? He's seeing the, the invisible, and he's praying it because he sees it. That's the prayer of faith. That's the prayer of faith. You, you need to see deliverance in your family before it manifests. Because if you don't, you'll pray these, oh, God, why is this happening to me? He's like, no, I thank you that they're healed. I already see it in the invisible. I, they are healed. Their chains are broken, and they are free. And I'm just coming to you agreeing with what you already declare on heaven. And I declare it over my family. They're already saved. They're just working on their testimony. Their testimony story is going to get bigger. That's how we have to pray with faith. Not like, oh, my God, you don't hear my prayers. Doubt. So watch. There was not a cloud in the sky. And I can prove it. Go up now, look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. This old man is crazy. That's probably what he's thinking. It's, it's sunny outside. It hasn't rained in three and a half years. Watch this. I'm going to give you a, a foreshadow of the power of effective prayer. That we think that we can move mountains uh, or, or even principalities that have been in a city for years by one little five-minute prayer. No, there needs to be a consistency of hitting... Every time, prayer, faith, prayer, faith, prayer, faith, prayer, faith, suddenly it will happen. Watch. And he said, there's nothing. Watch this. How many times? Come on, how many times? Some of you guys would have said, I've prayed already three times, Elijah. You're crazy. I went, can you imagine? Go. Comes over there. Leaves. There's nothing. Go back again. It doesn't say this. He's probably saying, Lord, I believe you showed me it's going to happen. Comes back again. Four times. Comes back again. Five times. Nobody knows the distance. It could have been several minutes or hours when he comes back. Seven times. Watch this. He said, go again. Seven times. Look at, the, look at the next verse. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud. There's a cloud. As small as a man's hand rising up from the sea. So he said, go up. Say to Ahab, please prepare, prepare your chariot. Go down before the rain stops you. In other words, after seven times, he saw in the spirit, finally it manifested on the earth. That is the prayer of faith. Look at this next slide. Put that next graphic slide up there. Prophets and prophecy tell us what is in the heavens, released in the heavens. The prayer of faith releases it on the earth. Glory to God. Look at that there. Prophets and prophecy tells us what is released in the heavens. That's what Elijah was seeing. 
And James said, Elijah was just like a man. I'm so glad that James said that because James could have said, the mighty Elijah, the one that did not die and was taken by a chariot, the one who had a supernatural closeness with God, he's the one who prayed. Then you'd be like, oh, that's him. I don't have that kind of prayer life. He says, no, he was a man just like us. Elijah was probably more crankier than you if you just study his life. He was just like the, just, just really bold, uh, fierce prophet. So that is what the prayer of faith does. He saw it in the heavens and it increased. Can I, can I hear an amen for that? We must pray in faith because Jesus affirmed time and time again the need for faith. He told the Roman centurion, the Roman centurion, he said, go ahead and your faith, your, your faith has made you well, he said to the blind man. And then to the Roman centurion who, who, who said, look, you don't even have to come to my house. My, my servant is severely demon-possessed. You know what he said? He said, just say a word and my servant will be healed. He looked around and he said, I have not seen such great faith. As a matter of fact, before we go to the second one, Jesus rebuked the city of Nazareth and he could not, let me say this straight for all you theologicals out there. The Bible says he could not do, well, he could do anything he wants, but he operates by spiritual laws. He could not do many wonderful works in the city of Nazareth because of their unbelief. As a matter of fact, I read it yesterday. The Bible says that Jesus marveled at their unbelief. Think about that. You know what the word marvel is? Like, oh my God, this is amazing. He, he was doing that in a negative way. I can't believe that these people don't even believe that I could do this. This is unbelievable. He, he marveled at their unbelief. And so you know what? He kept on walking in his own town. Let me tell you something. When you have unbelief in your prayers, things are not going to happen. I know that that may sound rough, but I'm trying to tell you the effective, effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Can I hear an amen? The second characteristic of, oh, you're going to love this, buckle your seatbelt. You know it's good when, when you're studying. I'm like, oh, ouch, Lord, that was good. I, I received that. And all of us need to receive it. The second context of uh, effective prayer is prayer in the context of right relationships. Now you say, where is that in the book of James? It's all connected. Where he says in verse 16, confess your faults one to another that you, you, you may be healed. He's talking about a community. You and them will be healed. When you, when you ask these things, when you operate in these things, there's going to be a healing dynamic, but there has to be a relational correctness biblically so that your prayers will not be constrained. Watch what I'm about to say. Some of you say, I don't believe it. I'm going to give you scripture. The second characteristic of effective, fervent, effectual prayer has to do with right relationships. Do you know that it's possible for our prayers to be constrained and hindered if we don't walk in right relationship with people? See, 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 some of you guys think you just have this great prayer life and could do whatever you want with people just because you spent 10 hours or five, whatever. I'm not saying there's anybody out here, but that thought, that says that, well, you know, uh, me and the Lord are right. But let me tell you, you and the Lord will be right, but you have to be right horizontally too. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, if you come to me in prayer or with a gift, that's a prophetic sign of worship or prayer. When you come to the altar with your gift, with your worship, listen to me, and, and, and you there find out and remember that you have ought against somebody or someone has ought against you or offense against you, he says, stop your prayer meeting right there, I'm modernizing it, stop the gift that you're giving me and go and reconcile with your brother, then come back to me. Are you, God so institutes right relationships mingled with prayer that he even says something to the wives and the husbands. Are you ready for this? 
Husbands, he's talking. Now, this doesn't mean that wives dishonor their, their, their husbands because uh, in the previous verse that I'm going to tell you, he talks to the wives to be submissive to their husbands. But I want you to look what the Lord highlights. Are you ready for this? I said, are you ready? Look at this. It's uh, the fear of the Lord hits you when it comes to prayers being hindered by wrong relational aspects that you are not getting right. Can I hear an amen? Look at 1 Peter and look at what it says in 1st Put that up there, uh, Zach. First uh, Peter chapter 3. Husbands. How many husbands do we have here? Husbands. Likewise dwell. Now, I don't want to get too much into this because, because of time. But the weaker vessel that he's talking about there is, is in the body, the way that, they, that the Lord made them up. Because he's not talking about a, a, a lesser as far as their voice because he would contradict himself in this same verse. Okay. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, your wives, with understanding. Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together. See, now he just said heirs together. See, see, so that weaker thing that, you, that people have misquoted, it will be totally contradicting Scripture because he said they're heirs together. All right, now watch. Of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. I got like three amens to that. Husbands, dwell with your wives with understanding, giving them honor as being heirs together. Because if you don't, your prayers will be hindered. I'm going to say that slow motion. Your prayers will be hindered. Are you kidding me? Well, Pastor George, we're probably blood, blood, blood of Jesus. I think Christians say the blood of Jesus for everything to have an excuse to live a compromised life. Well, I, I, you know, I don't, it doesn't matter about those 500 calories. I haven't washed by the blood of Jesus. It doesn't matter about those cholesterol in that burger. Not the blood of Jesus. Just say, no, 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 no. Stop saying the blood of Jesus when you're eating five hamburgers. If you're battling a cholesterol problem, don't say the blood of Jesus for that. Don't do it the same way to try to cop out from honoring your wife or your husband when it comes to that. But you know why, guys? Because there will be a portion of heaven closed if you're purposely, intentionally not honoring. Are we making mistakes? Yes. Do we repent and we say, look, I'm sorry, babe, honey pie, honey boo, pumpkin pie, whatever you call your wife. <laughs> Boo-boo bear, choo-choo bear, whatever. <laughs> I call my wife choo-choo. I'm like, sorry, choo-choo. But as long as you own it, watch this, I don't know about you, I don't want my prayers to be hindered at all. I want it to go straight to the heart of the Father, and it's pleasing to Him, and not me acting all spiritual if I'm not honoring my wife, because God says, you could, you could honor me all you want, you could troll all you want, you could dance all you want, you could, you, you, could, you could have prophecy all you want, but if you're not honoring your wife, your prayers are going to be hindered. Right relationship. That's why he says the effective prayer. Part of the effective prayer is to honor relationships so that your prayers won't have any roadblocks. This is eye-opening. And I feel the Lord on this. Look at that next point. Look at that next point. A strong, uh, a, a, a strong prayer life will eventually lead to strong relationships with people. You know, we have to, to get rid of this notion that pray, a strong prayer life makes you antisocial <laughs> or anti-relational. Well, brother, no, I'm just locking myself up. Yeah, yeah, keep locking yourself up. But if you really connect with the heart of God while you're locking yourself up, you'll have a greater love for people. Come on, say amen. Say amen. Do you know that you can sit in a room 
and for 10 hours and engage for one minute? The amount of time that you, that you are in a place of prayer does not dictate the amount of time of engagement in prayer. I know because my mind used to drift and wander all the time when I would be in the prayer room and I'd be pacing back and forth. And man, man, I've been in five hours there. But the Lord said, how many of those hours were you really connecting and not on Facebook and, and Instagram and doing all these administrative stuff? How many times were you just really connecting with me? I'm preaching better than you're saying amen this morning. Look to this. Look at the third one. Look at the third one. I need the worship team to come up here. Man, I wish I wasn't bound by time. Lord, let the sun stop. Let raising arrows freeze and let them not think that there is time right now. They're like, yeah, and then. And I keep preaching like for 15 minutes, you know. They think it's like a minute past. All right. Anyway. So the third one, this is good. Ready? I'm, I'm rushing because I want to honor you. The third one. The third characteristic, are you getting something this morning? The third characteristic of effective prayer is prayer of faith, prayer in the context of right relationships. See, some of, some of that is new to you. Sometimes you think you just, just pray whenever you want and still have bitterness and offense with people. Let me tell you, your prayers will be hindered. Get it right with people. Listen, I'm going to say this to you before I get to the third one. You can't be right with God if you're wrong with people. I'm going to go this way because I hear more amens on this side. You can't, be, you can't say you're right with God if you're wrong with people. <laughs> How's your walk with God? Man, it is just awesome. I just hate my brother over there. But other than that, I love God with all my, Woo! you should have seen how I prophesied yesterday. Man, but I can't stand that sister over there. Love the Lord with all your God, heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's, 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 you know the cross is vertical and horizontal. It's not just vertical. Hello? It's not just vertical. I know that some, pops some of your spiritual religious bubbles. It's not just vertical. It's horizontal. So if you want to walk fully in the relational of the cross, you got to have your relationship vertically right, but you have to have your horizontal right. Or your prayers will be hindered. So it's up to you. Number three, the third characteristic of effective prayer, look at that up there, is prayer, uh-oh, rooted, uh-oh, from, uh-oh, a lifestyle of righteousness. The fervent prayer of a righteous man. Now, that word man is, is, connotates human, humanity. Do you realize that, G, that James didn't just say, the, 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 the prayer of a heathen or the prayer of, a, of, of someone who is defaming the Lord or living a, a lifestyle. Some of you guys may think, you, you, some of you modern millennials, you need to get back to holiness because Jesus never left holiness. He said the prayer of a righteous man, a righteous person avails much. So you, wanna, you want to know what supercharges your prayer is when you're pursuing holiness and when you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. So it has two connotations. Those who've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, they get an inheritance that the others don't get by answered prayer. Why? Because it belongs to his children. Does God answer sinners' prayer? Of course. But, but the more effective way is when you are pursuing righteousness. And I wish I had more time I could tell you, scripture upon scripture, how God honored righteousness, pursuit of righteousness as an effective prayer. Can I hear an amen? 
So it's a commitment to a lifestyle and righteousness of cultivating effective prayer. That is what this is talking about. The righteous person in this passage is any believer who sets his heart to obey Jesus. Here's a good point for you too. The, pr- the prayer of the righteous also includes prayers of imperfect, weak people who are generally pursuing holiness. Weak, messed up people that stumble that are pursuing holiness. That also includes that. That also includes the righteousness, the, the prayer of the righteous. Let me tell you something. Prayer of faith, prayer in the context of the right relationship, and let me tell you, baby, the Lord is still looking for righteousness and holiness. When you set your heart to confess your sins and you act like you really know, Lord, this is a sin, and you, and you pursue holiness, let me tell you something. That is now taking your prayers and making them effective and efficient so that it will be answered right away. So, put that next point down, and I'm, and I'm, I'm going to close with the next two points. Effective prayer includes those who have been made righteous by receiving Jesus and by living in righteousness in their behavior. I'm, I'm going fast because I want to honor your time here. We have a couple minutes left. I want to say this very boldly and loudly. Prayer is not a substitute for you walking in obedience. Woo! Prayer, your prayer life, or prayer in general, is not a substitute for you walking in holiness. If you have a notion inwardly that you could get away with a couple things because you spend a lot more time with the Lord, that is false thinking. As a matter of fact, you won't want to do that if you're spending that time with the Lord. You will have the fear of the Lord in you to walk right. Everybody who had a strong prayer life had a strong holy life. Daniel had the same thing. Esther, Isaiah, Jesus, right? So I want to I kind of lovingly warn and encourage some of you at the same time. It's time to take the foot out of the world and let's jump all in. Let's, it's time to not have one foot in the world and one foot with God. Let's jump in and you will see how the Lord will supercharge your prayer life. Amen. The prayers of a righteous avail much. So that I could go on, but because of time I'm not. Now the fourth one is what I really want to harp on. Man, I wish I had more time. Fourth one, prayer that is earnest. The Bible says Elijah was a man like, our, uh, like us, but he earnestly, say earnest. Now that word earnest, you need to get this. That word earnest is so key for you to, uh, to, to be in prayer effectively. Because that word earnest means in the, Greek, in the Hebrew a, a method or, or a place of prayer that is consistent and persistent. Watch. The word earnest is basically like saying being persistent. Do you know that there's people that pray, but they're not persistent? There's a difference. Do you know that God wants you to keep hitting that thing until you see a breakthrough? He wants you to keep coming in faith, keep coming in faith. Not just repeat it in prayer for religious babbling, but he wants you to be persistent. There's a difference between babbling and being persistent. Each time you persist, each time you're believing fully that the answer is coming. Now watch this. Look at Luke chapter 11. Real quick, before I, before I close. Luke chapter 11. We have a movement of the Holy Spirit this morning. That's why we're running late. Luke 11 verse 5. 
Look at this. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him in midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. Keep going. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing set before him. Look at this. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. And my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. How many say you would do the same thing? Come on, when you're in bed and you're in that blanket, you're like, leave me alone. Go to Target yourself. Go to Publix yourself. I'll get you tomorrow. I say to you, oh, I feel like shouting. This is what earnest means. This is what, when, when Elijah said he prayed earnestly, that means he kept, he just didn't pray one time. That's what it means. He kept praying maybe 20 times until he got the answer. He refused to be denied. I said to you, though he will not rise and give to him because of his friend, yet because of his what? Shout at me. Because of his what? I can't hear you. He will rise and give him as many as he needs. In the spirit realm, you keep knocking. You keep coming. You keep coming in faith about your finances, about your daughter, about your son. And do not get weary and well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Earnest, listen, earnest and persistence does not mean doubt. It means you believe. Each time you come, it means that you're coming with faith. And by the way, that word fervent is not in the original manuscript right there. That word earnest means persistent, engaging with the heart. Listen, you know, remember Hannah? Remember Hannah? Oh, man, I wish I had more time. Hannah was barren, all right? And she, the Bible says she earnestly prayed. But you know what? There was no, Eli couldn't hear her because she was praying within herself and her lips only moved. She's like, but yet the Bible says those prayers were earnest before the Lord. See, it's not loudness. It's not, it's not, it's not the loud volume that matters. It's the, 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 what matters is at that moment, you're connecting with the heart of God for a particular situation. And you're aligning yourself with the burden of heaven. And you're either whispering it or you're saying it, but it's coming out passionate from your heart. Do you think just because Hannah was going like this that she did not mean every word that she was praying? She meant it with, the Bible says she was with anguish of soul. We need some more anguishing in the spirit. She was, oh, I need a son, Lord. And that fervent prayer of a righteous woman birthed her Samuel. But she kept on at it. The Bible says she would, get, she would come every single year and she would still be barren. Man, I don't have time. But when I was sleeping in my, my bed, this is the, the addition. I was sleeping and I said, okay, I'm done. And my spirit was going like this. And the Lord said, there's one more that you need to tell the people of effective prayer. And I'm, I'm praying. And it's in Romans 6, sorry, 8, 26. And the Lord showed me this and he bubbled this in. The, the fifth way, that's not in James. The effective prayer says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with, watch this, groanings that cannot be uttered. You know what that means? When you pray in the Holy Ghost, when you pray in the Spirit, you are praying a perfect prayer language. You say, why? Because 1 Corinthians 14 says this, that when we pray in an unknown tongue, it doesn't make sense to man, but we're speaking mysteries to God. Mysteries. That means the devil can't catch the prayers in the spirit because they're praying according to the will of God. Look at real quick, Zach. 1 Corinthians 14, that verse I gave you, look what it says. 
For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, say in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. We need to learn how to effectively pray in the Spirit. You're not going to hear this from a lot of churches in a Sunday morning. That's right. That's right. Praying in the Holy Spirit, aligning yourself up with the Holy Spirit so he could pray the perfect prayer for that situation according to the will of God because we are flawed. And Romans 8 says we don't know what to pray, but the Spirit knows how to pray. The Spirit intercedes for you, and he, make, he intercedes with groanings that cannot be uttered. In other words, baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. You are praying perfect prayers that only God and you under, I mean God understands. And the devil's like, what is happening? There's a stealth weapon being released in the spirit realm. And as you speak mysteries, the Bible says that he will come in agreement and release that into the heavens. Let me tell you something. We need to learn how to pray in the spirit, guys. And if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, I pray in this series you guys will be filled. And right now, I need you to stand up. Come on. I need you, everyone to stand up right now because of time. Just right there in your seats. Don't send me emails about how long I'm in, okay? Believe it or not, I do. I get them. Lift up your hands before the Lord. I want you to begin for one minute to cry out. I want you to pray the prayer of faith right now for your family. I want you to pray. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.